Before we begin today, I would just like to state for the record that I have no information in my possession that could ever lead to the arrest of any Clintons. Even though Hillary Clinton is indeed my third cousin once removed, I know absolutely no incriminating information. P please, Hillary, please. I have a family and I just, I just got married like a year ago and I We will analyze the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein that took place early Saturday morning that was obviously a suicide and nothing else at the Manhattan Correctional Center. Then President Trump wrongly gets Hollywood to cancel a movie about how terrible liberal elites are. Transvestite activist and sexual predator Jessica Yaniv tries to put more innocent people out of business. And Joe Biden forgets what years he was vice president. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show today on which we are all Alex Jones. We are all Alex Jones now, people. I woke up today. Sweet little Elisa turned to me in bed. She said, Mac, I've made you something for your show today. And it was this cute little tinfoil hat because there are a lot of conspiracy theories going around. And the biggest conspiracy theory that I can tell so far is that Jeffrey Epstein, billionaire pedophile, uh, sex trafficker, all these things that he just accidentally was permitted to kill himself in prison. That's to me the least plausible thing in this jail, in this Manhattan Correctional Center that he just accidentally, whoops, too bad. That's the craziest one of all. We will explore all of the theories that are going on and what I think is the most plausible. So much more to get to, but first we have got to thank our friends over at Raycon. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. Raycon's E50 wireless earbuds have completely changed the game. They are, look, look we're not going to talk about all the other kinds of earbuds on the market. You know, there's that one that's like really overpriced and doesn't feel that great and doesn't fit in your ear and you can't really customize it. Then there are a bunch of other cheapo ones that just don't really work. Raycon completely changes the game here. They are super comfortable, by far the most comfortable earbuds. They're super easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are stylish and discreet, so they don't have dangling wires or those hideous stems. You know what I'm talking about. Of course, they don't just look great. They sound great too. Uh, I really like them just in so much as one size doesn't fit all for everybody, if you know what I mean. One size in style, one size in sound. Raycon, it just is this perfect match of extremely good quality and it looks good and it feels good that some of the other guys just don't get. You got to check it out. This will completely change the game. They have a range of fun colors. So it's not just one color for everybody. And there's an unbeatable price right now. Go to buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You will get 15% off your order. You're not going to get a better deal anywhere else. That's raycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Do it right now. You will not regret it. We're all Alex Jones now. What are the possibilities? Four possibilities as far as I can see it. The first one that he was accidentally permitted to commit suicide. Just incompetence. Whoops, it happened. Second possibility, he was permitted to commit suicide, 
but it was intentional and not accidental. Third possibility is that he was murdered. You know, someone who looks shockingly like Hillary Clinton with a mustache and some sunglasses broke in and uh, choked the guy before he had a chance to scream. And then fourth, the fourth possibility is that he escaped like a Bond villain and is on his hidden layer right now on Little St. James Island, or I don't know, on his own space station or something, plotting how to seed the world with his DNA and global domination. Of these options, including the fourth option, I think the least plausible explanation is that Jeffrey Epstein was just accidentally permitted to kill himself. I think it's just absurd. I think it is maybe more likely that he is still alive than that he was just accidentally permitted to kill himself. There was a former inmate at the Manhattan Correctional Center. I mean, this is a tough place. They held El Chapo there. A former inmate at the MCC uh, uh, told the press, quote, there's no way that man could have killed himself. I've done too much time in those units. It's an impossibility. Between the floor and the ceiling is like eight or nine feet. There's no way for you to connect to anything. You have sheets, but they're paper level, not strong enough. He was 200 pounds. It would never happen. That's his take. Now, I don't know. What, what is that guy's take worth? Who knows? He was at the center, but we don't know that much about him either. There's another aspect to this story, which is that his attorneys were apparently the ones who got him taken off of suicide watch. So you'll remember three weeks ago, he tried to kill himself, or it was at least reported that he tried to kill himself. There was some event that brought him to the hospital, and then he was put on suicide watch, and then was almost immediately taken off of it. We're getting reports right now from the Wall Street Journal. It was actually his own attorneys who got him taken off of suicide watch, which would lead one to conclude that he perhaps did kill himself, but it was planned and he was paying people off to let him kill himself or his attorneys were, were insisting that he be permitted to kill himself. What do we know? We don't know very much. We know that Jeffrey Epstein was a billionaire sex trafficker and financier with dirt on some of the most powerful people in the world, including possibly two U.S. presidents. Definitely he was very good buddies with Bill Clinton and he was friends with Donald Trump before he became president. We know that he very possibly had dirt on the Duke of York, Prince Andrew. We know that he had dirt on a seemingly endless string of billionaires. What kind of dirt are we talking about? We're talking about dudes having sex with underage girls. We're talking about the worst possible dirt you can possibly have. What else do we know? We, own, we know he owned a private sex slave island and he owned the largest private residence in Manhattan. So he wasn't just rich. He wasn't even just rich by Manhattan standards. He wasn't just rich by having the largest private residence in Manhattan standards. He also owned his own private island in the Caribbean. That is a level of rich that is difficult for most people to comprehend. But what's even weirder about it is we have no idea how he got his wealth. Guy was a college dropout, a dropout out of Cooper Union, which is like an art school in New York and an engineering school. He then was hired, despite no qualifications and no college degree, to teach math at an elite Upper East Side private school. Gets even weirder, turns out the headmaster of that school was Donald Barr, William Barr's father, the current attorney general. His father was the headmaster at the school that hired Jeffrey Epstein to teach math, even though he had no college degree and no credentials whatsoever. Then after teaching math at that school for two years, he leaves to take a job with Bear Stearns, a major financial firm. How did he get the job at Bear Stearns? One of the uh, 
reports that's coming out is that he met the chairman of Bear Stearns while he was at that school. So he goes there, he works at Bear Stearns for a while, which Bear Stearns, by the way, already a super shady firm that was leading the pack in the financial crisis. He left that firm under shady circumstances. We don't know the circumstances of his departure. Then he starts his own hedge fund. Ostensibly. We don't, I, I don't know. That's the story is that he started his own hedge fund. But he kept his business very private. So big people on Wall Street say they never did any business with him. They never really saw the guy doing business on Wall Street. We don't know really who any of his clients were. He kept all of that a closely guarded secret. But he called it a hedge fund at least. Then, he pops up, he's friends with all these powerful people. Just coincidentally, he's invited into all these incredibly famous and powerful circles, hobnobbing with presidents. And by the way, not just after Clinton left the Oval Office, but as early as the early 1990s. Okay. Then he le- then, then the next time we really hear from him, once he starts, uh, Clinton starts traveling around on Epstein's private jet, there are some articles about him, New York Magazine, for instance. And you have all these rich and famous people talking about how they're pals with Epstein. Uh, Trump gave a quote to it. This was obviously before Trump was a politician. And he said, yeah, I know Jeffrey. He's a terrific guy. Jeffrey Epstein was apparently a neighbor in Palm Beach and a member of Mar-a-Lago. He said, yeah, they say Jeffrey likes beautiful women almost as much as I do. And many of his girlfriends are very young. Now, obviously, I don't think this is evidence that Trump knew that Epstein was trafficking underage girls because if Trump did know that, the one thing that Trump wouldn't have done is give that quote to the magazine, right? He probably just saw Epstein at these parties with like pretty young girls, 21, 22, and gave that quote. But I'm I'm pretty certain that if he knew that Epstein was shuttling 14-year-old girls all around the world, the one thing Trump wouldn't have done is talked about it to a magazine. Then he gets pinched. Epstein gets pinched in 2007 for soliciting a minor. We know that he had uh, been recruiting all of these girls. I mean, some of the girls who had been recruited by him said that they were pulling in 80, 90 girls, that Epstein had these girls in his house and on his island every single day. Some of them were not allowed to leave, according to stories from the girls. But he gets pinched because a woman in Palm Beach called the police and said, this creepy dude, Jeffrey Epstein, solicited my teenage stepdaughter to give him a massage, and I want you to look into him. So he gets pinched on this. Obviously, they start to uncover everything. And then, this is what's really bizarre, he gets a sweetheart deal. So he doesn't get these federal charges. He doesn't go to a federal prison. He doesn't get caught as a sex trafficker. Despite the U.S. attorney, Alex Acosta, looking into this, all of a sudden it becomes a local matter, and he gets a year in a private wing of a Palm Beach County jail where he gets to leave for 12 to 16 hours a day, six days a week, and go to his own private office. What on earth is that about? Well, reports come out that then U.S. attorney on the case, Alex Acosta, who became Trump's labor secretary, told the White House when he was interviewing for the labor secretary, oh yeah, that Epstein deal. I had one meeting about Jeffrey Epstein and I was told that he was above my pay grade and to lay off because he belonged to intelligence. So now you have stories coming out from the people who were there at the time and serious federal employees who were saying, yeah, he belonged to intelligence. So there's the suggestion that Jeffrey Epstein, sex trafficker, had some relationship with some intelligence agency. Then this year, over 10 years later, he gets arrested on sex trafficking charges in New York goes to this jail, the Manhattan Correctional Center, really tough jail. 
Three weeks ago, he's brought into the hospital for allegedly having committed suicide. Then he somehow goes off of suicide watch just days later, days after this attempt. He's one of the most important prisoners in the entire country. They just take him off of suicide watch. And then this is what gets even crazier. His cellmate, who was supposed to be watching him because he was, he was obviously a suicide risk, gets transferred out of his cell on Friday, hours before his death. Then the guards who were supposed to be checking on his cell every 30 minutes, and if he were on suicide watch every 15 minutes, don't check on him once for hours. Then we find out just conveniently, there's no camera pointing in his cell. So you can't see any of this happen. Then, even more coincidentally, by the way, the news of his death, the apparent suicide, took place Friday night into Saturday morning. The absolute bare bottom of the news cycle, the time when you dump information that you do not want to be covered. Another coincidence. What are the odds? Totally crazy, huh? Oh, by the way, the medical examiner who's doing the autopsy, which is apparently being supervised by one of Epstein's lawyers guys, has not yet reached a conclusion. So the suicide, the, the autopsy rather took place, but so far there has not been a conclusion. We've been joking about this for weeks. Ann Coulter tweeted out when he went to that jail that he should be moved to a supermax prison before he wound up mysteriously suicided. I said it was likely that he would commit suicide with two bullets to the back of the head. This was the joke we've been telling everybody for months now. This guy should have been on suicide watch 24-7 with a guy and a camera focused right on him constantly in a padded cell with cameras everywhere. At this point, I would not even be that surprised if the guy were still alive. You know, crime is a function of means, motive, and opportunity. There were some of the most powerful people in the world who wanted Jeffrey Epstein dead or disappeared, and they had all three. The worst part about this is it's going to fall down the memory hole. I mean, people aren't even tweeting about it anymore. It's like 48 hours later. It's people are, are going to forget about it. There will be no answer to this because now he's dead. So anybody can say anything. Now the investigation should go on. The only way that you could try to get some justice in this is to pinch his former business partner, this woman, Ghislaine Maxwell, who is a socialite, whose father was kind of a shady character that had ties to foreign intelligence. She was apparently the one procuring a lot of the girls. She's just walking free right now. So she's obviously the one that the people should be looking at now. She should probably be held in a supermax prison until we have some answers out of her. But it, I suspect we're not going to get any answers. Even if right now the most plausible theory is that he did kill himself and yet he was permitted to, either because of bribes or because of corruption or because the attorneys fought very hard for it and somehow the jail was convinced to do it. Even if that happened, that's the most plausible theory. We're probably never going to get answers into this case. If Hollywood were to make this story, the script would be rejected. It would be too on the nose. I mean, this is the Hollywood movie. Whatever happened to Jeffrey Epstein, I suspect we will never, ever know. But please don't let that stop you from theorizing. Please send in your your favorite theories on this. I'll keep my uh, tinfoil hat on with me for the rest of the day. And I look forward to hearing what you have to think. Because I put a poll up and uh, put it on Twitter. And within about 20 minutes, it stabilized. I said, do you think Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide? 
yes or no. 89% said no, 11% said yes. And this stabilized this for now. I mean, it's got probably 20 or 30,000 votes and it stayed the same. And then my friend Jason, Jason Rance over at KTTH in Seattle, he said, I've got a better poll. Did Jeffrey Epstein commit suicide? No or no. <laughs> and I got a 50-50. It was 100%. So uh, send in your theories because I, I would like to hear them. I hope that Attorney General William Barr can give us some better theories on that. But we'll just have to wait and see and almost certainly won't get an answer. Speaking, though, of Hollywood, speaking of this Hollywood movie-esque quality to all of it, awful stories coming out of Hollywood. We will get to it in a second. But first, support for The Michael Knowles Show comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. I live in LA. You know that it's impossible to find a house in LA because the minute you find one, first of all, it's like $10 trillion and it's just this totally opaque home buying process. And then worst part of all is because I'm a millennial, I never learned any useful hard skills. So I don't really know much about getting a mortgage. I don't know about that process. And for most people, the vast majority, buying a home will be the most important decision you ever make. When I find my house, when you find a house, when you're about to make this huge decision, finding the right mortgage can be easy because Rocket Mortgage makes it easy. Their mortgage experts' number one goal is to make the home buying process smoother for you. Industry-leading online lending technology, Rocket Mortgage is there with award-winning client service and support every step of the way. They're ranked highest in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination nine years in a row, and they're ranked highest in mortgage servicing five years in a row. When you work with them, you get more than just a loan because Rocket Mortgage is more than just a lender. When you're about to make the biggest financial decision of your life, don't just go with some Joe Blow on the street. Go with the best. Go with the guys who are constantly being rated the highest. They can make it easy. They're the top of the line. Don't make a big mistake when you're talking about your financial future and not just your financial future, your home. Get started online at rocketmortgage.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Go there right now. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Push button, get mortgage. Very easy. Speaking of Hollywood, Hollywood has made some huge mistakes in the past 48 hours. Hollywood had almost as bad a weekend as Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, maybe not quite as bad, but almost as bad. There is a movie out called The, or it's not out, but it should be out. It's called The Hunt. It was a horror movie about this group of liberal elites, you know, the kind who run in the Jeffrey Epstein circles, who one weekend every so often, they'll go out and kidnap deplorables and hunt them for sport. Kid, kidnap regular old good apple pie eating 4th of July 11 Americans, good old conservatives, and put them in a field somewhere and hunt them for sport. Here is the trailer for the movie. Your idea is incredible. I can't argue with that. We pay for everything. So this country belongs to us. It's just business. Hunting human beings for sport. They're not human beings. <laughs> Every year, a bunch of elites kidnap normal folk like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming. Mississippi. Orlando. <laughs> and hunt us for sport. Hurry, hurry, hurry up. So it's true. We're being hunted. So it looks pretty good, right? Apparently not. President Trump came out against this movie. He said, quote, the movie coming out is meant to inflame and cause chaos. They create their own violence and then try to blame others. And this created a little bit of an outrage on the right. Though I don't, I actually didn't see a ton of this, which is the right said, how dare you make a movie about liberal elites hunting us? This is awful. This, except... That's not what the movie's about. 
right? It, it, this is a revenge movie. This is a horror movie. So pretty clearly the, the good guys are the deplorable, good old conservative Americans and the bad guys are the liberal elites. If anything, this is like a fever dream fantasy of how conservatives view the world. It seemed great. I was called on a TV show on Thursday or Friday and they said, I, Michael, you got to react to the movie The Hunt. And I think they expected me to be outraged by it. I said, oh, it looks great. Looks really good. I, they say, you don't want to cancel it? I said, no, I, I want it to come out. It look, first of all, Hollywood produces a ton of tripe these days. Pretty much the only movie they make are the same superhero movie again and again and again. So I thought, oh, finally something interesting. But also, this is a movie for conservatives. It's a movie that affirms what we believe the liberal elite thinks about us, which is that they're the worst people in the world and that they hate us, which uh, that is certainly my view of things. And then it's a movie where the deplorables and the conservatives go out and get revenge against the bad guys. Cool. Works for me. But now it's being canceled. And it's being canceled, I think, in, not entirely because of conservatives, not entirely because Trump called Hollywood out for it. I think a lot of it, too, is because of the shootings a week ago. Hollywood doesn't want to seem like they're inflaming and calling for violence against conservatives. But that doesn't seem to be what the movie was doing anyway. And it, it drives me crazy because about once a year, there's a movie from Hollywood that I actually want to go see. You know, in the last few years, what? We had A Quiet Place. We had Hail Caesar. Get Out was kind of interesting. But those are the exceptions. Most of the movies were horrendous. So you finally see a movie that looks pretty good and then it gets canceled. This is the problem with cancel culture. This is the problem, which is 99.9% a leftist problem, but occasionally conservatives get involved too, which is we don't like you. We're going to shut you down. We're going to shut you up. Or we think we don't like you. So we're going to shut you down and shut you up. Bad idea. Just let it out. It's okay. They'll make a movie. If Hollywood wants to make a bad, stupid liberal movie, people aren't going to go see it. If Hollywood wants to make what seems like a fairly conservative movie, I, I bet people would have gone to go see it. But you don't have to go see it if you don't want to. Now, it's not just this movie. It's not just The Hunt. Unfortunately, this is a tough day. I'm having almost as bad a day as Jeffrey Epstein, too. Because not only do I have to defend Hollywood, I have to defend Sarah Silverman, one of my least favorite comedians, if you can even call her a comedian. But she apparently, she was relating this on a podcast, Sarah Silverman apparently just got fired from a movie because on her own unfunny TV show, she wore blackface one time. I don't watch your show. I didn't watch the episode. I don't know the context of the blackface, but I assume she wasn't wearing it just to make fun of black people. I don't think she was going out there. I don't know that she was singing Al Jolson songs or something. I assume she was doing it for a comedic point, to make some kind of point. And yet she was fired from a movie for it. So my question is, has Jimmy Kimmel been fired yet from his show? Jimmy Kimmel wore blackface on The Man Show. Uh, has Ted Danson been fired from his inc incredibly good and successful career in Hollywood yet? Ted Danson wore blackface one time, to make a point. How about Robert Downey Jr.? He wore blackface in that movie Tropic Thunder. How about Julianne Ho? I don't even know who that is, but she's apparently a Hollywood person. She wore blackface. How about Fred Armisen from... Portlandia and SNL. He wore blackface on SNL. How about Gigi Hadid? How about the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, who either wore blackface or a KKK hood, probably the latter, but he hasn't copped to either of them. It was just on his medical school yearbook page. Why are we firing one person for this when we're not firing other people? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Also, are we really going to take away someone's career because they wear blackface? I, I, get, I guess if you're going to do that though, if that's the new rule, then 
You got to apply it to everyone. And are we going to take away the Waynes brothers' careers because they wore whiteface in that movie, white, white girls or white chicks? Remember that movie? It was two black guys who put on white face and uh, blonde wigs and they pretended to be white girls. So you're allowed to do that, but you're not allowed to wear blackface? Or I guess you're allowed to wear blackface for virtually every liberal elite in Hollywood except for Sarah Silverman? I hate defending Sarah Silverman, but I have to do it because it's just not applied fairly. There's no logic to this cancel culture. There's no logic to these new speech codes. There's no logic to political correctness. It isn't a logical ideology. Political correctness is a cudgel. That's all it is. It's just a tool. It's just a hammer used to smack down your opponents, which is why it only happens to some people and not others. You know, Megyn Kelly, for goodness sakes, she was on that show on NBC and she suggested that wearing blackface isn't the worst possible crime, especially, let's say, if you go out and go as Diana Ross, let's say, for Halloween, and you darken your skin a little bit to look more like Diana Ross. Maybe that's not the end of the world. Maybe you shouldn't get fired for that. And she lost her show for that. Even though other people on the same network have worn blackface multiple times, but nothing happens to them. Now, why did they go after Megan? Did they go after Megan because of her comments about blackface? Absolutely not. They went after Megan because they don't like her politics, because they're not exceedingly left-wing, and they went after her because they didn't like her show. So they were looking for an excuse to get rid of her show, and they used that political correct excuse as a way to do it. But it wasn't about principles, it wasn't about values, it wasn't about logic. Nothing, and that is always the way political correctness is applied. I mean, you can even see this in the term queer. So the other day, the PC police, that guy at Vox, Carlos Maza, that little bully fascist, wanted to get Steven Crowder kicked off of YouTube because he used the word queer. We were then told that queer is the new N-word. It's akin to a racial slur, even though it's part of the acronym LGBTQ. You'd think if it's part of the acronym that people are using to describe themselves and that other leftist politicians who are not LGBTQ are using to describe LGBTQ people, you'd assume it's fine. But no, we were told it's the N-word. I, I went on a television show. They actually bleeped out the word queer. Queer, okay, okay, so I guess we're not allowed to use the word queer anymore. Except then, not three weeks later, Colorado State University released its PC language code called the Inclusive Language Guide, and it said, we're not allowed to use the word homosexual. So when you can't use queer, I guess you're supposed to use homosexual. But now we're not allowed to use the word homosexual because that's offensive. And the word that it suggested we use instead of homosexual is queer. So now you say queer, and if you say homosexual, you get banned. But three weeks ago, you say homosexual, and if you say queer, you, you get banned. This is not about being able to use the proper term or civility or politeness or manners. What this is about is constantly changing the proper word so that you have to check. It's about constantly having to go to the, the orthodox leftist committee and say, what word am I allowed to say this week? It's about them keeping it random, them keeping it ambiguous, so that when they want to get you, they can get you. Blackface wasn't a problem for Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Ted Danson. Yeah, there was a little uproar with Ted Danson, but he survived it. Wasn't a problem for Gigi Hadid, wasn't a problem, but Sarah Silverman. They're going to get Sarah. Why? I don't know. They just wanted to get her. That's, that's the problem. And it's funny, in Sarah Silverman's case, 
And I guess in, in most of those people, because they are leftists, so they do subscribe to this. But I think finally some people, especially comedians, are feeling the pinch of that. They're saying, gosh, this isn't great. Gosh, maybe this isn't about politeness. Maybe this is just about getting us all to shut up. Speaking of people who should shut up, we'll have to get to the complete extreme of this absurd leftist PC culture, which is that transgender activist, that sick sexual predator man, Jessica Yaniv, who is a transvestite who tried to get a, 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 a beauticians in Canada to wax his genitals and then put them out of business when they wouldn't do it. Uh, he's now come out. He's going after a restaurant for the same thing. We'll see what that says about our culture. Then we'll get to Joe Biden, who doesn't remember when he was vice president. We'll get to Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch turning on President Trump, and hopefully a little bit more. But first, you got to go over to dailywire.com because you are almost out of time to purchase tickets to our backstage live show on August 21st at the incredible Terrace Theater in Long Beach, California. What's the show going to be? Ben Shapiro, Daily Wire God King, Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, and most importantly of all, me, will be chopping up the winners and losers of politics and pop culture. Best of all, we will be answering your questions from the audience. Get them now. They are running out, especially the VIP packages. Tickets are available at dailywire.com slash backstage. There are still a few VIP ticket packages available. That includes premium seating, photos, and meet and greets with each of us, as well as a gift from Ben. Much more they're selling fast. So go to dailywire.com slash backstage. Get yours today. So much more to get to. We'll be right back. So this guy who now goes by the name Jessica, Jessica Yaniv, who, the one who wanted to force immigrant women to wax his genitals and then put them out of business when they wouldn't, he's made this 16 complaints against beauty salons that won't wax his genitals. He now has a new grievance, which is he went into a place called New York Fries and he said they refused him service because he's transgender. Now the restaurant denies this and he's a complete lunatic and a bad person. So I don't believe him and I do believe them. Here's Yaniv telling the story. The, the way I put it is you're refusing access, um, you're refusing access to a server. Like I was to the Pacific Center Mall and I went to New York Fries and this is going to be on my next human rights complaint. But I asked for some, some fries and they literally said, not for you, sir, you're, uh, you're transgender. To put it like that. And Sorry, like, who said that? New York Fries. Here in Vancouver? Here, here in Vancouver, yes. Totally, that totally happened, right? Yeah, there's no way that this lunatic is just making it up, right? This insane looking, sounding, and behaving person. He's probably believable, right? Probably not. You know, if this guy didn't exist, the right would have to invent him. I'm not even convinced that he's not just some right-wing performance artist, <laughs> but the trouble is that the left is taking him seriously, and, and which shows the whole point. This guy is a crazy person. He's also a sexual predator, apparently, who was preying on underage girls. He should be receiving psychiatric treatment. He probably should be in a straitjacket in a padded room, but he's not. Actually, in our culture, our insane society is insisting on the fantasy that this guy is the normal one. And they're insisting that those of us who say otherwise are the lunatics. They're getting it exactly backwards, which they often do. Someone who is a guy who wears dresses in public is not playing with a full deck. I don't mean to make fun of him. But if you're a man and you're wearing dresses in public, something has gone on in your psyche that is not quite right. 
and you probably should get some help and get your head screwed on straight. Someone who pulls the sort of stunts that this guy is pulling, trying to get all these businesses shut down, trying to force women to fondle your genitals, probably not playing with a full deck, probably needs a little bit of psychiatric care. But we are told by the left in the name of compassion that we must pretend that this is all perfectly normal. For this bizarre man to try to cosmetically make himself look like a woman and then go in and try to ruin all these businesses and try to force poor immigrant women to wax his genitals, we are told that we have to pretend this is normal, we have to call him a woman, we have to pretend that his male genitalia are actually somehow secretly female genitalia, and if we don't do that, we're bigots. Who is this compassionate toward? Because the left is telling us we have to say all those things or else we're not compassionate. We're mean. We're cruel. We're nasty. They're the compassionate ones. Who is this compassionate toward? This guy, Jessica Yaniv, is an international punchline. He's an object of ridicule. Rightly so. I mean, it's, you can't, this is the sort of emperor has no clothes thing. Like we all know it. We all know that people aren't supposed to do that. And no matter how many leftist scolds tell us this is normal and you're mean if you don't think it's, we just know. Because we're, we have eyes, you know, and you can't tell us not to believe our lying eyes. Is this compassionate toward the immigrant women that he's targeting and putting out of business? Is this compassionate toward the little girls that he's sexually traumatizing? Who benefits from this? None of the people involved benefit from this. Most especially him. He doesn't benefit. The only people that benefit are the leftists who are pushing the narrative. The only thing that is being helped by this, the only object that is receiving compassion is the leftist narrative because we are being told with gritted teeth that we can't expose the leftist narrative for the lie that it is. But we have to. I mean, this guy is the logical conclusion of that. You have to be able to look at him and say, you shouldn't be doing that. You're not right in the head. You need psychiatric care. Men aren't supposed to wear dresses in public and force immigrant women to wax their genitals. It's just not, that's not how you're supposed to behave. You have to acknowledge moral realities, realities of behavior, biological reality. You have to acknowledge reality. And the left doesn't want us to. They want us to deny reality, but too bad. We have to, it actually, these days, it actually takes courage to say about that guy, you're not supposed to be doing that because you could have your, you could be labeled transphobic. That's the new one or homophobic or this phobic or that phobic. You got to do it. You have to do it. You got to stand up for reality. It might hurt you in an insane society, but I would rather stand up for the truth and have a bunch of lunatics call me crazy than go along with the insane crowd. And by the way, the great majority of people know that this kind of behavior is insane. And they're being bullied by a very small group of leftist ideologues. But if we all call them out, we're going to win. Speaking of people not playing with a full deck, turns out that the leader of the 2020 Democratic presidential primary, Joe Biden, apparently doesn't remember what years he was vice president of the United States. Here's Biden. I watched what happened when the kids from Parkland marched up to, and I, 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 I met with them, and then they went off to up on the hill when I was vice president, and they went off the hill to go into those neighborhoods. All those congressmen were like, no, I'm not here. I'm not here. I, I'm not, don't, don't tell them I'm around. He watched when he was vice president. He watched 
the reaction to the Parkland shooting. Oh, except the Parkland shooting was in 2018. That was last year. And he hadn't been vice president for six years at that point. Or he hadn't been, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't six years. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling in Joe Biden too. He hadn't been vice president for two years at that point. But he had, he got elected 10 years before that, right? He was elected vice president in 2008. He was vice president for eight years. 2016, he was not vice president. What was he doing? He wasn't running for president. He was sitting around and then apparently t- full two years later, he thought that he was still vice president. I actually, oh gosh, I've had to defend Hollywood today. I've had to defend uh, Sarah Silverman. Now I have to defend the head of Media Matters, Parker Malloy. I hate to do it, but Parker Malloy, head of that awful, disgusting, scum of the earth organization, Media Matters tweeted out when he said that. He, he, oh, actually this was uh, another issue that Biden, another cognitive issue, Biden referred to Theresa May, the former UK prime minister, as Margaret Thatcher, who was the prime minister in the 1980s. And Parker Malloy tweeted out and said, this is really not a good sign. She said, in what world is a clearly sundowning candidate the best person for the job? There are 20 plus people to choose from who aren't currently experiencing cognitive decline. People are acting like he's already the nominee and the options are a choice between him and Trump. WTF, if you nominate someone who can serve two terms, advantage of having an incumbent running for re-election, it's worth noting that Biden would be 86 years old by the end of his second term. And that's not to say that old is bad necessarily, but if you see someone slipping like this now, where will they be in eight years? She's absolutely right. Biden is not playing with a full deck. I don't know that that's going to rob him of the nomination. I mean, the question right now is, as he slips, and he is slipping in the polls, will the other candidates be able to rise up and grab him and beat him in the polls fast enough before they decide the nominating contest? I mean, it's still anybody's campaign right now, but he's been able to hold his lead. He might be able to hold it a little while longer, and then he might forget what he won in the first place when he wins the nomination. I also have to get to this before we leave today. Big news story, everybody's going after Trump for it, which is that Anthony Scaramucci, former White House communications director, albeit for 11 days, is coming out and he's turned on Trump and he said Trump should be replaced for 2020. He shouldn't be the GOP nominee. He's awful. He's doing terrible things and we need to get rid of him. Here's the mooch on CNN. Last week when I asked you if you still supported and the answer was yes. This morning when I asked you if you're calling yes. for a change at the top of the ticket, you said it should be considered. So are you no longer as of this morning it should, should supporting? Be I'm, I'm in a neutral. I'm now in a, I'm a, I'm a Republican, so I'm not switching parties to support a Democrat. I, I believe in the values and the policies of the Republican Party, but I'm, I'm now neutral on the president. You're now neutral let's on the president. he continues to act. And if he, if now, oh, absolutely. You have to, you have to get into a neutral position. And All right, very, so you are no longer an active, you are people. no longer, Anthony, I just, I just don't want to pass this by. So people, you are no longer an active supporter of President Trump and his reelection bid. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's pretty obvious from over the weekend. I mean, the guy's you know, actually dissembling a little bit and he's sounding more and more nonsensical. And, you know, we're sort of anesthetized to it and people inside of Washington, oh, yeah, that's just President Trump. Just let him act like that. But, you know, you're you're fracturing the institutions and all of the things that the country stands for. So that's not worth the economic policies. You know, that's not worth the uh, uh, GDP growth, which, by the way, is slowing down. And the stock market's exactly where it was a year ago. Okay, so this is now being turned and Trump's former White House communications director turns on Trump. 
And he does it on CNN of all things. I, I like Anthony Scaramucci. Obviously, I've had him on the show. He's a nice guy. I think he's a very smart guy. I would like to put this into context, though. It's not as though Anthony Scaramucci is this diehard, lifelong Trump supporter or a diehard, lifelong Republican or a diehard, lifelong conservative or, or really that he's been any of those things for very long. The Mooch supported Democratic candidates most of the time. The Mooch supported Hillary and Obama. The Mooch was a longtime campaigner to redefine marriage to include same-sex monogamous unions. I mean, he was a, a big supporter of this for years and years and years. In 2015, after Trump decided that he was going to run for president, the Mooch called him a, quote, hack politician whose rhetoric is, quote, anti-American and very, very divisive. That was after he started to run. He then, at the same time, told Trump to cut it out now and, quote, stop all this crazy rhetoric. How about on immigration policy? On immigration policy, the Mooch always opposed the border wall and was clear about it during the entire 2016 campaign. Then before 2016, he said he hoped Hillary would win. And then, because he is a sort of a Republican, he's at least a New York Republican, which is, you know, a little up in the air on what that means, in the GOP primary, he first endorsed Scott Walker, and then he endorsed Jeb Bush. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Jeb Bush. You have to say it with the exclamation point, otherwise you don't convey what he really was supporting. So he was endorsing two of Trump's primary opponents. He said he hoped Hillary would win the election. He called Trump a hack. He opposed Trump's signature policy, which was the border wall. Uh, he, he said he was anti-American and very divisive. Okay, now then he came around and President Trump hired him anyway, and he was communications director for 11 days, and he's obviously got a relationship with Trump going back a long ways. But the fact that a guy who's pretty liberal and pretty left-wing and has supported a lot of Democrats and has supported the, the more like, liberal Jeb Bush faction of the, Demo or of the Republican Party, it's not a huge surprise that he would turn on Trump. I mean, it's not, I'm not even impugning his motives. I'm not saying he's got some negative motives. I'm just saying or some, some suspicious motives. I'm just saying he's a guy who obviously comes from a more liberal strand of politics, and he doesn't like that Trump has been very conservative. One of the reasons I was skeptical of Trump in the primary is that I thought Trump was more of a liberal, and he wasn't going to be conservative. So it's no surprise that somebody like me would become more supportive of Trump over time, and somebody like Anthony Scaramucci would become less supportive of Trump over time. It's kind of like a nothing news story, but it's one where they're, the CNN is just breathlessly reporting it. They're so excited to have this story. I don't think it says a whole lot. Before we go, I also have to mention one bit of good news. You've got this awful billionaire sex trafficker. He gets suicided or commits suicide in prison. You've got Hollywood making terrible decisions. You've got uh, a, a former White House communications director turning on the president. Not a lot of great news, but there is some good news coming out today, which is that the federal government is now investigating gender ideology, the transgender ideology, as a civil rights violation in Connecticut. This is great news. We've talked about this story before. Uh, two female athletes who were high school athletes in Connecticut have been forced repeatedly to compete against boys, so biological dudes. And guess what? You're going to be shocked about this one. He, uh, unsurprisingly, these boys would win all of their track meets. So they would keep beating the girls out of trophies and out of championships and Obviously, the end of high school sports is getting college scholarships and getting recruited to run for college teams. So this is now being investigated as a civil rights violation, as it should be. The civil rights question here comes from Title IX, which established 
women's sports in colleges and in high schools. And it said that there won't be discrimination on the basis of sex. So the women get to have their own sports leagues. Then along comes in the last few years, gender ideology. And what gender ideology and protections on the basis of sex are fundamentally incompatible. You can only have one or the other. Why? Because what Title IX says, sexual protections say, is that women get to have their own sports leagues. What gender ideology says is that women don't get to have their own sports leagues. That men who think that they're women or who very much want to be women or who want to dress up like women get to compete against actual women. Trouble is the men are going to win because the men are biologically stronger. This genuinely is a civil rights violation. This will be litigated all the way up at the Supreme Court. And we will decide as a country whether or not we want to protect women or if we want to protect delusions. The delusions of men who think that they're women or the delusions of women who think that they're men or the delusions, most egregiously, of the leftists who want to tell us that up is down and north is south and reality isn't reality and that we shouldn't believe our lion eyes. That is what's going to be decided. This is a fundamental legal and political battle over the nature of reality and over who gets to decide the nature of reality itself. So buckle up. That'll be even more interesting than Jeffrey Epstein. And that whole thing's been pretty interesting too. We'll let you know if there's anything more on that front, but something tells me there won't be as that supervillain plots global domination from his space station or as he rots in hell. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. That's the Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll see you then. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz, director Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our senior producer is Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Editor, Danny D'Amico. Our audio mixer is Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. On the Matt Wall Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.